You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. All right, this is the Whitetail Experience Podcast, getting this in late. I'm sure Dan is mad at me, but we had a little urgent care thing. We had the kids' explosion last night, and I did not get this done in time. I'm currently sitting here with a bruised sternum. Uh, I think that does end my stick bow adventure here. I have not been able to shoot that stick bow in about eight days and so confidence-wise, that's pretty shaken up. I think the compound, I've, I've shot it a little bit here in the middle part of October. It's time to bring that bad boy out. I was able to shoot that doe earlier. Uh, not sure how much practice shooting I'm, I'm going to sh- shoot this week. Just because uh, that sternum, dude, it's a weird injury. Uh, I have bruised. It hurts to cough. It hurts to sneeze. I can't do a girl push-up. Uh I was still hunting, but uh, if I shot one, I'm not sure how I'd get it out of the woods, but those are type 2 problems you figure out after that happens. So I uh, I actually feel really good going in here to the final few days of October and early November because I spent the last four, well, uh, a couple days ago, I had spent four straight days in the woods as far as getting some scouting in, getting some hunting in, not all dares or anything, but but I was moving and and pulled a couple cards, did a little poking around, finding some does, finding some buck sign. So I, I definitely feel now it's like, okay, I think I know where a couple good ambush points are that it is now a game of hunt hard. You know, the information and it's up to the buck to walk by me at this point. It's a cool year for me because I have like three to four bucks. I have history with chasing at this point, both public and private. And that's exciting. I have some detail on these guys, and it would be cool to catch up with one of them, if you will, at this point. And I've never, like, I'm not hunting just one deer, that's for sure. Now, I guess on my private pieces, there's, like, potentially two deer there. I, I don't know. I haven't seen the second one. There's one deer there I'd shoot, for sure, and I've got good history with. But uh, generally, there's a second deer. The last two ruts has, has shown up, and he also may get an arrow because I didn't shoot anything last year. And so that trigger finger, she's feeling a little itchy, if you will. I saw Moose had, uh, had a nice buck and it killed. And he talked about when you don't shoot one for a year, it's it's nice to come back to the winning squad is what he said. And I like that quote. I, I like that a lot. Had a really good encounter on Monday. Actually, I found a, a pretty good size rub, came up 
to this shelf that I knew historically held a scrape. Scrape was opened up. And on my way in there, I actually noticed uh, a good amount of just track travel on the leaves. And I, and, and I was like, well, I think they're in here right now. And I kind of was hearing some stuff too where I might have either kicked a deer or there was deer on their feet. And it was early and it was like the warmer, like we just kind of got done with a colder-ish front. And it was, it was a warmer day. And so I ended up hunting this scrape. I was like seven yards off it with the stick. Five o'clock, two hours before legal. 130, 140 class buck comes down to the level I'm on. And I thought the way he came down, I was like, he's coming to this scrape. Like, I am going to get my chance. And he mills around, works around, like, behind me at 25 yards. I think the encounter is almost 90 seconds to two minutes. And he's about 25 yards. And I don't know if I could have shot him with the compound because it's a very thick area. So I won't, like, fully say I could have killed him. But I remember looking at his vitals a few times in that 25 maybe even 20 yard type range. Now that being said, if I was hunting with the compound, I might've picked the tree that was a little more favorable to, let's just say, cover a bigger area versus like I picked the one tree to shoot the scrape and um, tuck that tree stand in nice. Like I was definitely set to, to kill the scrape, if you will. Uh, so that was encouraging. And that play was based on some other scouting I have done and located bucks that um, even though there was no trail cam on the scrape, that thing kicked open. I said, I've got the confidence to hunt this. So pretty cool encounter. Just didn't go my way. Uh, this podcast, though, all about rut survival. Like, this is a period in time that I, I think I do well at as far as continuing to hunt, finding more ways to hunt, maximizing my hours. Uh, it, it is It is here, folks. So I look at these next three to four weeks, and it's, it's a game, and I feel, as, as can you get max amount of morning hunts in? And I just think you're almost better to hunt three or four mornings than one full day at times because you're bound to catch the weather. You're bound to catch the hot dough. I like the ability to spread out, and, and especially here in Ohio where we have no gun season interruption, you know, two or three bit like weekday days the first week, two to three bit weekday days the second week, and even then you can almost have two weekday days the the third week of November. You throw in Thanksgiving where you're off Thanksgiving, Black Friday that weekend. You can almost hunt sporadically twenty out of the next thirty days with like only burning about eight days of PTO, especially if you can take half trunk uh, chunk increments or, or whatever. Um, I believe too, like this time of year, what separates the, the ability to keep going, the ability to, okay, you had a shitty hunt, get up the next day and go again. You got out late. Can you get up and go again? Like it's, it's almost just a marathon type mental approach to it. And, you know, did you physically prep for continuous miles or hikes in if you're, you know, somebody hunting the, the public land? where uh, physical, uh, you know, is part of the game. I do think I've messed up in years past about not sitting a tree multiple times. I've recently listened to a few podcasts from Tony and Mark on the latest Wired to Hunt talk about sometimes it's it's okay this time of year to sit the same tree multiple times. So I definitely plan to do that. I've got my ambush points marked for certain wins. And I know there's bucks in the area. So it's just like, okay. And I know there's does. It's like, 
okay, if I sit this tree, I can sit it three or four times between now and the end of the month. It's okay. Uh, Exodus did a podcast with a guy talking about that a little bit. Bobby Worthington talks about it. There is a tree in the woods that multiple big bucks walk by, or if you're hunting one deer, there is a tree in the woods that that deer walks by more than any other tree. And he might bebop and do different things. And I do think this works maybe a touch better in bigger type habitats. I don't know. I, I guess I haven't grinded out a lot of ruts in a farmed setting where, yeah, this is the best pinch point or one of the best pinch points. Let's just sit this for three or four days, uh, if you will. I think I, I might have been the Exodus podcast. Give the tree a chance. Give the ambush point its... I think it was Tony. Give the tree its full ability like let it play out let it tell you to move on so i think that's a a, a cool thought or, or something i've i've been doing over the years bill winky actually was on wired to hunt and he talked about he favors mornings too especially where we get some warm conditions here the next three days and that those cooler temps last way longer in the morning and I feel you get two surges of movement. Obviously, it's pretty well documented that they get up and move in those first couple hours. And then there's like an hour or so that the does go bed down and the bucks get up and go looking for them. And so, yeah, if you're hunting a morning till 11 or noon, you get two flourishes of movement, which I always like over over the evening. I have not killed an evening buck in November. I've In November. Now, October, I, I kind of think both sides of the coin there. But definitely favor the morning hunt come November. One thing I think is so stupid I hear is guys talk about if you need a break, sleep in. I think that is a terrible thought because I think if you're tired, you got to go to bed early. So don't hunt in evening. Get up the next morning, feel refreshed or, you know, hunt till 11, go take you a two hour nap, stay in that evening and then get up the next morning to hunt. Like I definitely think it is so stupid to sleep in during the rut. I just think that is the time to kill them in the morning. I'll say this too. I'm a big proponent of one o'clock comes around. If you're doing an all day or come down to the base of the tree and catch you a nap, dude, you got up at two, three in the morning, hiked in, hung your stand, been sitting in the cold for five hours at this point. Like, yeah, come down at one o'clock, take you a nap at the base of the tree. You will feel so much better after a half an hour, hour nap in the woods. And then you'll climb right back up in your stand, hunt the evening, or make a move. I've done that a, a couple times where come down, sleep, go make a move for an evening post. All about it. Have your truck organized. I think that's a key aspect to this whole thing. You want certain things in there this time of year. Recovery lights, different layers, extra pair of boots, backup release, a organized hunting rig. Very underrated. And it takes multiple hunts to get that thing dialed. Just like your mobile system, just like your backpack for hunting. Like, I don't get flowing until I got about like six, eight, ten hunts in me. But I thought that was worth noting. Is get that get that truck organized. As far as some other things to organize and get ready, I think some pre-made meals. And I will star here breakfast. I hate guys stopping at gas stations for breakfast because... You are, are literally delaying forward progress exponentially when you stop. You're going 60 miles an hour, and all of a sudden you've gone to zero. And, okay, the coffee's got to be ready. you got to grab a breakfast sandwich. You're in and out. You're bebop. Like, you blink. You've delayed your commute. Let's say it's an hour. One stop is, is about 15 to 20 minutes. So now your commute is now an hour and 15, hour and 20. If you got to go two hours, forget it. You know, when I, I do my big drives to 
Iowa and, and Wisconsin and stuff like that, it's like a nine hour drive. If I stop every three hours to piss, it adds a whole hour onto my uh, commute time. So I may or may not pee in a bottle, uh, if you will, so I can just keep hammering down and, and get home. Some truck organization thoughts here. Have you a case of water? If you're going to recover a buck, you're going to want extra water. This means you also don't have to stop at the gas station on, on a morning hunt after and, and get water. I actually have some uh, Ignite, Mountain Ops Ignite. Uh, I think Working Class has a has a uh, code if you want to pick that up on a discount. But that has 100 mg. I got the light, so it's 100 mgs of, of caffeine. And my thought there is if I shoot a buck in the evening, or if I, even if I shoot one in midday, I'm about to pull her out, I could take a scoop or two of that and be uh, caffeinated and ready to dominate which I think is important uh, if you got a late night or a heavy drag out. And so I know Aaron Snyder does that. He has a little couple scoops of pre-workout in his go bag. And I remember him on a podcast quoting like, he goes, if it's a shitty conditions, you're tired as shit, and you got to get back to the trailhead, he says, you pop two scoops of this, you're good to go. And so he must have some heavy dose stuff. Um, but I think that's worth, worth talking about because you can mix that pre-workout in your case of water, bottled water, and be rocking and rolling, and you don't have to like make coffee, you don't have to mess with it. I definitely think that's a good option. Also, water consumption before your hunt in the morning. Uh, Kevin Vistason talked about it, putting a little electrolytes in your water to just kind of get you going a little higher, especially if you're having beers the night before and slightly dehydrated. I think electrolyte mix is definitely a good aspect. And obviously, this whole time of year comes down to time. You've got to have spent some time. You can erase some lack of effort and some mistakes if you're just out there. I know I killed a buck one time where I dropped a stick on a rock. I banged my tree stand with a buckle or something. Like it was not a clean setup, but I was just out there. And and so time in the woods is, is super important right now. And I, I think that's just part of the game. But also realize like 90% of the time, it's not the primos rut grunting videos but you go enough days, you're going to see it. You know, I can remember a day last year, I hadn't seen much buck action, and I got to see the full show. This buck came into the holler, brat, brat. like I thought it was another hunter, and then I seen him. It was some of the loudest grunting of, of, of my life. I seen chasing, like I saw nine, ten deer that day. It was on fire. So yeah, you just got to you gotta go to hope to catch your, your glimpses, because it's not every day is, is glamorous, if you will. And then I'm going to leave you with this uh, phrase and saying and talk about it a little bit. And this is something Dave Ebright said to me years ago, and it just sticks with me. You got to do what's hard and do what's right. And what that means is if you see a hot doe cross a ridge or do something, yeah, pull down your stand, go over there and set up. It's a pain in the ass. You know, it is a pain in the ass to get up 30 more minutes early, but it can be worth it. You know, you build in those little buffers of, you know, pluses on, on your rut tally sheet that creates the opportunity. So, so doing what's hard, doing what's right is still important. You know, you chinch yourself, you talk yourself into going to a B minus spot instead of what you think is better because it's a, it's an easier hunt. I don't know. I think this is the time of year you just grit down. You, you have that inner David Goggins tell you to stop being a bitch. So do what's hard, do what's right. Guys, good luck in the woods.